Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Anthony Japour, and I'm here uh, with Dr. Joshua Schiffman on the Disruptive BioTalk podcast series. So, Joshua, welcome. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Delighted to be here. Yeah, it's great to meet you again. Uh, I remember hearing one of your talks on all of the projects you have going on at Peel, and I thought to myself, it would make a great podcast. So for those uh, who are tuning in, uh, Dr. Joshua Schiffman did his medical school uh, education at Brown uh, Medical School, and then did his residency in internal medicine uh, in um, pediatrics. Uh, he was chief resident uh, and did a pediatric hematology fellowship all at Stanford. So how did you get from Stanford all the way to Utah? Uh, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting question, Anthony. My my journey has been less than straightforward, but that's what keeps it interesting. So really, actually, all started for me when I was uh, 15 years old, and I was diagnosed with a childhood cancer called Hodgkin lymphoma. And shortly after that, I went through my summer of what I call R and R, rest and radiation, came out the other side, and said, you know what? When I grow up, I want to take care of kids with cancer just the way the doctors took care of me. Wow. So I went to uh, medical school, kind of, you know, the traditional image, you know, I wanted to be the doctor, sit on the bed with the patients, hold their hand, get them better, and so on. And uh, as you said, trained on the East Coast uh, at Brown, and then went West about as far as I could to the other coast, to, to Stanford, and there really learned the art uh, and practice of medicine. How do you take care of patients? And actually was quite interested uh, initially in uh, palliative care, kids who were dying, and succumbing to disease. And I really understood how important it was for us to come up with new medicines for these children and, and their family. And also interestingly, uh, became very fascinated by genetic predisposition, right? It's hard to be at Stanford University and not get a touch of genomics and genetics and what does it all mean and how do you put it together? And of mm -hmm. course, at Stanford, there's always biotech going on in the in the background. So uh, as you mentioned, I went through my training, uh, initially focused on clinical care, but then became really, really enamored, Anthony, with the laboratory. And wow. what can we do in the laboratory with genomics and technology to really make a difference, not just one patient at a time, but for all patients? How do we move the field forward. That's interesting because I actually had a very similar, I mean, I, I was, I, I always knew I wanted to be a doctor when I was a child, but right. I also started down a very clinical pathway, did my uh, residency in a more community-based hospital, but because of the AIDS epidemic, I was drawn into the lab bench and also then found myself going from the lab uh, to a fellowship and then ultimately to industry. So that's an interesting uh, background that you have. Yeah, I think, Anthony, it's really helpful, and, and you probably agree that it helps keep you uh, grounded and gives you perspective. And even in the, the company uh, now, Peel Therapeutics, which we'll talk about, you know, every time we have a meeting, I'm always bringing up patients that I've taken care of or new patients that have contacted us because we're very, very focused on what does it mean at the bedside when we actually get our discoveries uh, and medicines to the patients who need them most. So would you consider yourself a translational yeah. uh, uh, investigator that you really like that bridge from the bedside it, to the lab directly to the bedside? Yeah, and in fact, one of my mentors at uh, Stanford had really drilled into me and he would say, Josh, it's not bench to bedside. 
it's bedside to bench oh. and then back to bedside. So a lot of my, my earlier work uh, really involved taking samples and questions from patients, bringing mm -hmm. them into the lab, doing discovery-based science, generating hypotheses, and then figuring out how do we take those discoveries back to the patients, which is now what we're focusing on quite a bit at Peel. Okay, great. So I'm still anxious to hear how you got to Utah. <laughs> yeah, so how does someone get from uh, East Coast, West Coast, and then end up in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah? Right. Well, I, I mentioned that I was very, very interested in translational science and genetics and cancer-produced physician. And so I came out here to join uh, Huntsman Cancer Institute originally, where there's such a big focus on genes and cancer, you know, the breast cancer gene, BRCA1, BRCA2. There was a lot of emphasis here. I particularly was very interested in P53. Uh, they have the Utah population database. And I really began to focus and become immersed in a translational laboratory about the genetics of cancer and who's getting sick and what children and what families. He even set up a, a clinic here uh, to help with some of these patients with leaf Romani syndrome, especially the children, right? I mean, this comes back, Anthony, to uh, this conversation of, you know, thinking about ourselves and why do we go into medicine and, and wondering, oh, hey, why did I get cancer? And why do other kids, why do my other patients get cancer? And can we try to answer that question? And so came to Utah and for several years, again, very focused on this question, who's getting cancer and why? Hmm. And so you were in a very academic, uh, still a very academic mindset at that point. You hadn't really, had you uh, thought that you were ever gonna become CEO of a biotechnology company? I, I hadn't really considered it. I've always been um, very drawn to being disruptive, right? What this podcast is, is about. I always like being a, a pioneer and going places where other people haven't, but I hadn't yet at that point considered uh, biotech as the way to do it. I was still quite enmeshed in discovery science in the academic setting. Mm, interesting. Okay, so how did Peel come to be? Well, Anthony, here comes the elephants, right? So <laughs> I told you we were really very focused on this idea of who's getting more cancer and why and looking at animal models and my patients and their families and tracking generations of cancer. And I found myself at actually a conference all the way back on the East Coast in Bar Harbor, Maine. Great place, great lobster. Uh, but we were there at a conference and we were talking about the evolution of cancer. And I heard a speaker discussing the fact that elephants, big giant elephants, almost never get cancer. And at first I thought, oh, I must be in the wrong place. I came here to learn about cancer. Why are we talking about elephants? But Dr. Maley, the, the speaker, uh, who's now at uh, ASU, explained that elephants are so large, Anthony, they, they are 100 times the size of people. Mm -hmm. uh, they live 60, 70 years. That many cells in their body dividing decade after decade, they should all be dying of cancer at a young age unless they were somehow protected. And so this uh, physician, Dr. Maley, made this discovery that when he looked at the genomes, again, discovery science, and we looked at the genome of elephants, he and his postdoc student learned that the elephants, instead of two copies of the P53 gene, which protects us from cancer, a very important tumor suppressor gene, instead of two copies, elephants have 20 times as many, 40 copies. And he went on to say that he didn't know if that was the reason that elephants didn't get cancer, but it was sure very intriguing. 
So mm. I started talking to him during the break and we struck up a collaboration and I said, you know, the patients that I'm taking care of, uh, they're all missing their P53 gene and they're getting a lot of cancer. Mm. You said that elephants with extra P53 almost never get cancer, but you weren't sure if that's the reason why. What if we could study this in the lab and really try to understand? And so he was excited, I was excited. Many academic adventures later, I found myself at Utah's Hogel Zoo, talking to the zookeeper. We even teamed up with uh, Ringling uh, Brothers and Barnum Bailey Circus and studied their elephants. And we learned about the biology and sure enough, these elephant P53 genes work even better than human P53 genes at preventing cancer in elephants. Interesting. This had never been known before, the, the, the numeric number of these uh, P53s? No, this was part of the discovery. And here again, talk about disruptive. Um, it took us a long time to find a journal that was willing to publish a discovery like this. And we ended up actually having a conversation with the editor-in-chief at JAMA, uh, of all places, which is a medical clinical journal. Right. But we explained, you know, this could actually have implications for human patients. And so they took a gamble and we uh, submitted it in many, many rounds of reviews and dozens and dozens of revisions. But right. we got it to the point where it met the level for, for JAMA. And we published. And um, what year was that? That was in 2015. 2015. 2015. Wow. And really, that's how Peel kicked off because wow. at that point, Anthony, that's when I got invited to go to Israel and give a talk about this paper that was coming out in JAMA and uh, about the elephants. Ah, I see. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. so, so now again, Anthony, here at this point, though, I'm still thinking academics, right? I'm still right. thinking academics. And I was giving a talk uh, in um, Israel, my first time visiting there in, in Haifa. And there's a lot of technology in Israel, biotechnology, Technion uh, in Haifa. And in the audience was my future co-founder. I had never met him before. His name is Dr. Avi Schroeder, brilliant, brilliant chemical engineer. And what Dr. Schroeder does is he works with nanotechnology, nanoparticles. So he makes new medicines. He's able to actually put payloads into these little nanoparticles to deliver as new medicines. But I had never met him. So I'm giving my talk about the elephants and I end as I usually did. And I said, oh, it's too bad. There's no way to take this P53 that has developed over millions and millions of years of an elephant to right. create the perfect cancer fighting protein uh, if only there was a way to deliver it somehow to our patients. But oh well, it's just science fiction. Not knowing Dr. Schroeder was in the audience and that's exactly what he does. And in fact, Anthony, uh, Avi wrote down on a piece of paper, I've told him since, save that paper. He said, I need to meet Dr. Schiffman to learn mm -hmm. more about the elephant cancer fighting protein. So put this into our nanotechnology. Mm -hmm. And then he spoke and I had never met him before. And he was talking about nanoparticles and they could put anything in and deliver it. And I said, oh my God. And I wrote on my piece of paper, need to meet Dr. Schroeder to learn about his nanotechnology to put our elephant cancer fighting protein inside. Unbelievable. And Anthony, I gotta tell you, we started talking uh, during the break 
and we just hit it off. It was like an instant connection. Wow. And we said, we need to figure out a way to work together with our medicine and science background in Utah and your technology background in Israel and Technion and come together and make a medicine for people. And, and we realized, Anthony, what I think you've realized and many of the listeners have realized is that academics is wonderful for discovery. But if you want to make a new medicine and you want to get to the patients and you want to get there fast, you need to commercialize, right? You need right. to go into biotech because this was an endeavor, right? We're talking about making a brand new medicine. This was going to cost tens, twenties, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars. And it, we wanted to go quickly. And I'll tell you, our patients are still dying every day. We don't have 20, 30 years that it takes in academics. Yeah. So we said right there and then standing in Haifa meeting for the first time, we said, we're gonna make a company. We're gonna create a biotech. We're gonna create a startup and we're gonna make them new medicines. And they're gonna be evolution inspired like the elephants. And we're gonna take them to the patients as quickly as possible. And had Avi been involved in uh, any startups prior to the one, this one? Yeah, actually Avi trained uh, at MIT as part of his postdoctoral work. And he trained with Bob Langer. Oh, and okay. so he was very, that. yeah, the famous Bob Langer. So he right. was very familiar with this idea of making companies from your discoveries to help people. And in fact, Avi had started several companies of his own. And, and we actually, we started talking and I said to Avi, well, Avi, we got to think of a we got to think of a name for this company. I said, "What's the Hebrew word for elephant?" And he said, "Oh, Josh, the Hebrew word for elephant is peel, P-E-E-L." I said, uh -huh. "What do you think about the name Peel Therapeutics?" He said, "I love it." I said, "So do I." Boom, Peel was born. Uh -huh. So that's where yeah. Elephant Therapeutics. That's where we come from. So you pivoted then uh, from uh, like a five-star academic career into uh, starting a brand new biotechnology company? What year was that? That was uh, 2015 when we started talking and we incorporated in 2016. Wow, so you're now, I guess, five years into it, right? Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. and, and so then, okay, so what happened after that? Well, so then it obviously became clear that uh, Peel Therapeutics would need a lot of attention and a lot of tender loving care to grow and we had to find investors and a board of directors. And so we uh, really began our, our journey and it, it's been unbelievable. Now I've had to back away, like you said, from academics. I still, right. yeah. I, still I still have I still have a lab, you know, I've dropped down to, to part-time so I can really focus on Peel and, and growing the company and making it successful. We have almost 15 uh, full-time employees. We have many different consultants. We have expanded to several drugs in the pipeline. One of the things, Anthony, that's been very important is because I am a first-time CEO, uh, I certainly surround myself with those who have been successful in the field before. So we've stacked the deck with our uh, advisors, uh, certainly people who have been there, done that, individuals. And also I'm really proud on our board of directors. Uh, we were fortunate to get uh, an individual Dr. Will Deere, who used to be SVP and an international chief medical officer at Amgen, mm -hmm. uh, who uh, is now living in Utah. So he's been a fantastic mentor and obviously has quite a bit of experience. And before Amgen, he worked at Eli Lilly. We also 
have been very fortunate to have uh, and talk about disruptors, uh, we have uh, Dr. John Warnock. And, and Dr. Warnock actually invented the PDF and started uh, Adobe. He was one of the co-founders of Adobe. So he knows wow. a thing or two about disruptive technology. Uh, and then we also have a very successful uh, businesswoman, uh, Mary Tolan out of Chicago, and she runs a, a fund, a, an equity fund, a Chicago uh, uh, Pacific Founders. And so we have medicine, we have technology, we have business guiding us on the board, which has really allowed us uh, to grow our company uh, successfully and uh, really get drugs in the pipeline on their way to the people who need them. So tell us what you've got. Tell us about your various programs. I know there was one in particular that really captured uh, my interest, but take us through your program. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'll just very briefly go through and, and tell you one of the things that we've learned while we've been making elephant uh, nanoparticles. And you can imagine it's a, it's a, a painstaking uh, process full of, full of love. Uh, but it does take a while. So while we've been building and learning about these nanoparticles with delivering elephant uh, P53 at Peel, we've really taken the focus on let's look to nature, let's look to evolution and see how is evolution used biology to solve health problems uh, mm -hmm. over again tens of millions, in some cases hundreds of millions of years, and let's let's really use this technology, in some cases Israeli technology, and be at the intersection of nature and technology. So mm -hmm. one of the uh, drugs that we've um, licensed and worked with is actually a fascinating peptide. It's called a neutrophil targeting peptide. That's, and it turns out- I think that's yeah, the one I was particularly uh, fascinated by. Yeah, so it turns out, turns out uh, Anthony, that you know when we went to med school, we learned that the immune system well, it's pretty good, but maybe, you know, some parts of it are uh, not that glamorous, like the neutrophils, right? You and I were taught neutrophils were like Pac-Man and they gobbled up bacteria. And it's good to have that and that's fine. And that's, you know, they were first responders and they're on the scene and they help take care of things uh, immediately. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that in the past, you know, five to 10 years, we've learned that, not surprisingly, neutrophils are a bit more sophisticated. And instead of being like Pac-Man, they're more like Spider-Man shooting out webs. And those webs, believe it or not, are their own DNA inside. And so when a neutrophil encounters any type of pathogen, in order to try to trap that pathogen, it literally spits out its insides. It spits out these webs of sticky DNA called mm -hmm. neutrophil extracellular trap. The videos are mind boggling to watch. You just see the neutrophil and then boom, out comes these DNA nets and they capture anything that's there. Now, a little bit of nets, Anthony, that's pretty good because it catches what shouldn't be floating around the blood. Right. But too many nets, too many nets actually leads to an inflammatory cascade in something called immunothrombosis or microclots. Because what happens is these nets come out and then not only do the bacteria get caught in them, other neutrophils get caught in them, more nets come out and then platelets come out and then nets and Van Willebrand's factor. And pretty soon you've got all of these micro mini clots, micro thrombi in the vasculature. And it turns out that these nets, this net inflammatory uh, process is due to almost any type of human inflammation all the way from rheumatoid arthritis to lupus, to Crohn's disease, to strokes, 
to heart attacks, both chronic and acute, even asthma, the neutrophils go to the lungs and when they're activated, they shoot out their nets leading to inflammation. So what does this have to do with peel? Well, there was, uh, see, it's uh, very good to interview me. I'll ask my own questions. You just can sit back and there, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks. So um, a colleague here at the University of Utah discovered that newborn babies, right, uh, little babies in the first few days of life, they secrete a natural peptide that targets neutrophils that blocks nets. It's a natural net inhibitor. And if you, yeah, and it, it's only there for the first few days of life, Anthony. And if you think about it, it kind of makes sense, right? Because a newborn baby comes from a relatively sterile environment in front, in, inside their mother. They're born, and then suddenly in there, this world rich of pathogens and microbiomes and hundreds of millions, if not billions, of bacteria. And so what this peptide is, the way I describe it, it's like Mother Nature's dimmer switch. It just for the first few days of life calms down the inflammation. It prevents those neutrophils from shooting out these nets, prevents the baby from going into multi-organ failure, clotting right. off its, uh, its major organs and going into sepsis. And then after a few days, the peptide goes away and everything goes on pretty well. Although, as you know, we get inflammation as uh, we go through life. And so what Peel has done is sub-licensed this technology and the patent for this to actually create a medicine that blocks nets. It's a net inhibitor. And what's so important about this net inhibitor that Peel is working on, this neonatal net inhibitory factor, is that it's, it's natural, right? Evolution has worked. It wasn't created in the lab. It was created in hundreds of millions of years of life on the planet of right. how do you block inflammation. And what we've seen, Anthony, is when we give this peptide to mice with sepsis, we take, and sepsis is multi-organ failure. The organs are clotting off from all of these nets that are blocking the flow. We have seen that these mice, their survival goes from zero, like the patients you and I have taken care of in the past in the ICUs, no survivors. We give them just two doses of this little peptide right at the start of sepsis. We block their nets from firing, the neutrophils from firing nets, and their survival goes from 0% to over 70%. Zero to over 70, again and again and again. And so we're really excited now to move this drug forward. We're thinking about chronic indications as well, autoimmune is this disease. A, is, this a small, is this a small molecule or is it's it an a, antibody targeted against it's that? A, it's a peptide. It's a peptide. It's and a peptide. So, yeah. And so what we're doing now in-house uh, with our research and development teams in Peel is we're looking to see, okay, so what is the best way to deliver this, doing all the PK, PD studies, ADME, to try to really understand, you know, what what is the full uh, breadth of this potential of this peptide? Oh, interesting. Wow. Sounds really fascinating. So where are you in the development of this? So this one, again, we are working now on doing some initial toxicity studies. We're... Um, we're looking at different indications. One uh, point that I didn't mention is that COVID-19 uh, actually has become really relevant to our company in that many of the patients who have died from COVID-19 die from 
microclots, microthrombi, right. and sepsis and respiratory failure. And mm -hmm. in fact, Peel was able to work with colleagues this summer to publish uh, in blood one of the first descriptions of these nets in patients who oh. have severe COVID-19. And we were able to show if you take the plasma from patients with COVID-19, it has factors in it that make neutrophils shoot out like 50 times as nets, as many nets as normal. It, they're neutrophils, it's like neutrophils on crack, Anthony, is the only wow. way to describe it. And, right. we, and in a dish, we can actually block that response completely with our peptides. So we're uh, also doing COVID-19 uh, uh, testing to see if there's a, a possibility there that it could be useful. Fantastic. Wow. Really, really interesting. I mean, having, you know, being in the infectious disease space myself, when I first saw your presentation on these nets, I was really marveling at the concept. So it's great that you're able to somehow translate that into the clinic. Yeah. Well, for me, it's particularly exciting because this really is a first in class drug, right? There are no, there's no net inhibitors that work in this specific way. And again, this is something we didn't invent it, evolution invented it, right? And what we are able to do is take our, our technology and take our knowledge of uh, drug discovery and drug development and turn this into uh, a medicine. Fantastic. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll just say quickly uh, that we also have Peel, uh, we have one other drug in our pipeline that's actually our lead candidate. So we're sort of, uh, mm -hmm. this, this one is actually also based on evolution. This is based on a plant Toxin. It comes from a camptothecin molecule, something that is known from ancient uh, Chinese Eastern traditional medicine, something called the happy tree, uh, which is different than the happy tree in California. That's the marijuana bush. That's something different. This is actually a medicinal uh, plant uh, that is from, uh, like I said, ancient China, and it's a topo-1 isomerase inhibitor. It actually um, blocks DNA repair, and there have been other drugs made from topo-1 inhibitors, but this drug is particularly potent the way that we've modified it and linked it uh, with pegylation. So it's a pegylated carrier mm -hmm. working again with academic colleagues. And we've been able to see, and this is the part as an oncologist for me that's completely mind blowing, is we've been able to see cures in mice that are six months or more. And I don't like using the word cure. As an oncologist, it makes me very nervous. That's the C word, right? Some people say the C word is cancer. For me, the C word is cure. I don't, right. I don't wanna overpromise and underdeliver to patients, but at least in the mice, right? The data is what the data is. We've tested this in pancreatic cancer, colorectal cancer, neuroblastoma. Uh, our colleagues have tested in Ewing sarcoma. Uh, and uh, we just see this over and over again no matter whose hands it is, this drug, it's just remarkable. It is able to avoid uh, chemo resistance. It's designed in such a way that the tumors don't spit it out. It, one one uh, clinician described it to me. It's sort of like the roach motel, right? The chemo checks in, but doesn't check out. So it goes into the cancer cells and it completely wipes it away. And in fact, we are now uh, getting ready to prepare for initial discussions with the FDA. And if things go well, knock on wood, Anthony, we should hopefully have a clinical trial, our first in human clinical trial with this plant toxin 
uh, within a year. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But um, we're mm -hmm. very we're very excited. So you know, we started with the elephants, right? It, it certainly we tried to be disruptive with the elephants, and we're still working on the elephants, and it's fantastic. Uh, now we've got peptides that are blocking a whole new mechanism of inflammation. We have plant toxins that that have evolved, right, to help plants, but now we think they can help some of the most sickest, desperate cancer patients. And it's really, you know, I started in academics, but boy, biotech has been the most exciting and rewarding part of my career so far. I really feel, Anthony, that we are disrupting uh, the world out there and we're gonna help so many patients along the way. So tell me about the award. I heard, I heard you got some kind of award recently, Joshua. Yeah, so Peel um, Therapeutics, we were really lucky, um, well, or, or I should say, uh, maybe we earned it, who knows, but um, we are part of the uh, biotech community here in Utah, and um, really Bio-Utah is how they've labeled it, and they're really making a big push to build up the biotech community around Salt Lake City, around Park City. They've done that uh, in the tech space, so People call this area Silicon Slopes as opposed to Silicon Valley. Okay. Uh, and so they're trying to do the same thing now with biotech. And so there's an annual uh, biotech conference that occurs here every year for all of the biotech that's now relocated or growing here in Utah. And there was actually a pitch competition that we were selected to participate in. There were quite a few companies that applied. And then from those, a handful were chosen to actually uh, prepare a 10 minute pitch presentation, which we were, able to, we were able to do. And we were selected as the first prize winners. We won something called the Schwegman Prize, which is great. It was over uh, $15,000 of, of awards and uh, help and uh, you know, connections. It's really been a phenomenal boost to our company. And really, you know, for me, what it served as the most as the, the CEO of this, this startup that's growing, it was external validation, right? They had judges from all over uh, that were evaluating us. And so it was nice to see uh, that other people are as excited by Peel Therapeutics and what we're doing as we are ourselves. Wow. Congratulations. When was this award? It was not too long ago, right? Yeah, it was just in February, just in February. Wow. So we're, we're really, really excited. Is by this the first time they've done this award or how long has this award been around? Uh, they've been doing this, I believe, for a couple of years now. Fantastic. Well, congrats to that for sure. Yeah, along the way. Wow. Well, this has been a really, really interesting uh, talking to you and finding out more about what you're doing, how you got there, your pathway, and we'll look forward. How, how do people get hold of you if they uh, want to hear more about Peel? Yeah, you can just go to the website, pltx.com, P-E-L-T-X.com, or you can email me directly, jshiffman, J-S-C-H-I-F-F-M-A-N, at pltx.com. We actually have a fundraising round uh, going on now. In fact, it's really, we've been oversubscribed. The uh, early investor interest has been incredible, and people have really responded to this idea of evolution holding the key to new disruptive medicines. And so we're, we're delighted to talk to anyone who wants to be a part of Peel Therapeutics as we move forward. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It's been uh, so great to, to chat with you and hear about your pathway from the East Coast to the West Coast to Utah. And it sounds like you're a real trailblazer. So congratulations. And we look forward to hearing 
more positive things in the future. Let us let me know for sure when you uh, get to your uh, uh, to, to your IND. Absolutely, and thank you, Anthony, for having me on your your show today. This has really been fantastic. You're welcome.